the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In 20, the answer. Good morning. It's a free-for-all Friday on this second morning of the month of November, the year of our Lord, 2018. I want you to think about this nightmare. Nancy Pelosi calls it her dream team. I, I, I think it's a nightmare for the American people. She has essentially identified uh, most of her choices, uh, you know, in her party's choices for uh, committee control. Can you imagine the likes of Maxine Waters in control of a congressional committee as its chair? Can you imagine the likes of Adam Schiff in control of a congressional committee if they return to power? Can we possibly, in our worst moments, imagine the devastation that is going to come to this country if we give these people power? If we give Nancy Pelosi the gavel again? If we allow her and her fellow Democrats to put people like Mad Max, she, she's insane. She is a crazy person. Not only is she a low IQ person, as the president said, she's a crazy person. Screaming at people, Democrats, to create crowds, push up on them, wherever they may be. Let them know they're not welcome here. She's talking about telling American citizens they're not welcome here if they support Donald Trump. They're not welcome here or anywhere, she said. Can you imagine giving her a position of power beyond her already unimaginable position of power as a member of the United States Congress to put her in charge of a committee? Can you imagine this? If we give Democrats like Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff, if we give these people the House of Representatives, and I'm speaking not so much about the Senate because I think it's a little bit safer, but God forbid we were to give them the United States Senate too. If we give them the the House of Representatives, we will essentially be signing our own national death warrant. And what do I mean by death warrant? Are we all going to die? No, not necessarily in that way. I mean all of the growth that we have achieved is going to be reversed. I mean all of the business expansion that we have seen is going to be stopped, halted in its tracks. I mean all of the manufacturing. Remember when Barack Obama said there's no way to bring all those manufacturing jobs back? Once they're gone, they're gone. What's Trump going to do, wave a magic wand? Well, the president waved a magic wand because manufacturing jobs are back and wages are higher than they have been in a decade. We're going to put a stop to that. But moreover, when I say we're going to sign our national death warrant, what I mean is what you have seen over the last 
12 months, roughly, and maybe even going back to when the president was, uh, was inaugurated, what you have seen is radical leftist extremism expressed in the form of violence on the streets of cities across this country like Portland, Oregon, where Antifa runs wild, where these crowds that Maxine Waters wants pushing upon people indeed do indeed push upon people. They, they have essentially turned this country into a nation of vigilantes. Vigilante justice for our losses at the polls is what they have done. For the last 12, and pro- probably just going back to when Trump was elected, so really the last 24 months, They have essentially decided that mob rules apply. Vigilante justice applies. We didn't get what we wanted at the ballot box. We don't like what that guy said in that speech. We don't like what this congressman said over here. Let's go. We put our masks on. We grab our weapons. And we head to the streets. Mob rule applies. If we give the Democrats the office of the Speaker of the House on Tuesday, we will have told them and everyone else that it worked. And we will ensure that is the method of operation or modus operandi going forward. It worked. We took the violence to the streets. We beat the heck out of people. We hit them in the head with bike locks. We smashed windows. We set fires. We threw bottles. We attacked cops. We go into restaurants and we we intimidate and harass and scream people out of restaurants. We knock red hats off of people's heads. We intimidate and scare them into the shadows. And we won the election. We now have our MO. We now have our new method of operation. This is how we win all the time, through intimidation, harassment, violence. That's how we win. If you vote blue on Tuesday, you are rewarding that an anarchist behavior. I'm looking for new descriptors here. It's anarchy. You're rewarding that kind of behavior and then giving them the reins of power, giving them the control of the committees that are going to decide what is investigated, what isn't investigated, what kind of democratic chicanery that takes place, such as dirty dossiers and, and all kinds of throwing elections to one side, to one candidate over the other in the Democrat primaries. All these things that should have been investigated that that maybe have been at least on a cursory level because of the Republican control of the Congress, all those investigations will be quashed when the Democrats take over. And the investigation that uh, uh, into uh, President Trump and Russia, the Mueller invest, those things will be the norm. Do not reward their anarchist behavior. Do not reward their vigilante justice. Do not reward their mobs before jobs mentality. Because that is what we are asking to have happen. Mobs before jobs. Let me go to uh, TJ in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ, you're next. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, your bumper music last segment there with San Francisco, we built this city on rock and roll. 
you know, that might have been true 60 years ago, but what they should be singing now is we built this city on tents and bedrolls. But uh, the reason I called, you know, I like to think wait, outside. Wait, 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 hold on a second. First of all, I hate that song, and I've asked my producers. <laughs> I know to you do. <laughs> I've asked them to remove it from the rotation. I never want to hear it on this show. It is disgusting. It is just—it's horrible music. Period. Forget about its message. But second of all, um, that song is about San Francisco. Yes, yes. We built the city on rock and roll. I did yeah. not know that. I assumed it was built. I thought it was about oh, Cleveland. Yeah. I yeah, thought no, it was about no, Cleveland because we're the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why rock no, and roll no, capital no, of the world? It, where it was born. It, if you remember, in the middle of the song, they have like a newscaster or weathercaster talking about the weather in the Bay Area and stuff and all. Yeah, that was no. I hate it too much to listen to its lyrics. I don't. I didn't yeah. know that. I, I just assumed it was about clear. I swear to God, I don't yeah, know no, its lyrics no, no, that, other that than that the was, chorus. Uh, and, and I hate the chorus and I hate the song. It is just <laughs> one of the worst songs ever put to, uh, uh, you know, well, I guess to say digital now, but put to vinyl. So, no, I never knew that it was about San Francisco. I yeah. thought it was about Cleveland. How about that? But, yeah, yeah. you're right. Now they built it on tents and uh, streams of uh, fecal matter. <laughs> yeah, in the tents and bedrolls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, Bob, the reason I called, you know, I like to think, you know, outside of the box. And I'm thinking about this illegal problem. Now, when I think the libtard should step forward and let's start and adopt an illegal program. Okay, you know, you could have, like, Sarah McLaughlin singing In the Arms of the Angel, you know, like they do for the dogs commercials. So you'd have to adopt one of these illegals, take them into your home. You'd have to feed them, clothe them, uh, give them medical. You're responsible for them. If they commit a crime, you're responsible. If they take off somewhere, you're responsible. Uh, let let the left step forward and put their money where their mouth is and start adopting them. In other in they, other words, like foster like like uh, foster parents taking kids and uh, they are then responsible for them legally. Oh yes, yes, and taking adults. You know, I mean yeah. that's like like you know, and then we could solve this problem. Let them do it. Let them pay for it, and let's see how many of them would step forward when they have to pay out of their own pocket instead of their neighbor's pocket to take care of these people. I don't think that many of them would step forward. No, I don't think so either. And I challenge them all the time on that, too, on Twitter and other places, TJ, when they're talking about these people are just good people. They're not all criminals like people say. They're just looking for a chance at a better life. How can we say no to that? And my response to them is always the same thing, You kind of what you just said. Well, first of all, there are already homeless people living on our streets, many of them homeless veterans. That's right up your alley. Not the homeless part, the veteran part. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, there are enough homeless people who are already looking for better lives in the United States. Should I send them to your door? If you're saying send the world's homeless to the doorstep of the United States and say you have to let us in, we're poor, we're looking for a better life, let us in, then let's let's put you to the test there. Let's get 15, 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 homeless Americans on Democrat doorsteps, on Nancy Pelosi's doorsteps. Take them into your home. After all, they're just good people looking for a better life. Your house is one heck of a better life than what they have. Let's put your money to uh, your mouth, uh, put your put your uh, money where your mouth is. Let's uh, let's see if you actually got what it takes to uh, to follow your own advice, if that's what it's all about. Look, the president said it, by the way. I don't have the cut again because I'm a little shy on audio today. But the president said, we cannot, this is at his rally last night, the, we cannot just be the home of the world's poor. There are billions of people in this country, or in this world rather, billions of people in this world who are living in poverty. We can't just expect the United States to absorb them all. Sure, we feel bad about the poverty in Honduras and in Guatemala and El Salvador, but that, that we do our level best to try to help them by sending them aid. If their governments are corrupt and are stealing all of the money that is intended to feed the people, we can't, we can't control that unless we depose all of those governments. And then people would say we're being imperialistic. 
We're trying to impose our will upon the rest of the world, trying to, you know, uh, 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 enact regime change like we did on Iraq and other places. And then we're, of course, the big bullies. So we do what we can, but what we cannot do is say, yeah, it sucks over there, but we just are going to let everybody else in here. We can't do that any more than, like I said, we can expect normal Americans or even well-off Americans to just be expected to open their doors, unlock their front door, leave their windows open, and let people come in and say, hey, look, I'm just looking for a better life. I'm going to crash here for a few days. You got it, pal. No problem. No, we, we, we don't do that. We can't do that, and we should not do that on a macro scale either. More coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. There's always some reason to feel not good enough. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. All right, 1024, time for a few more phone calls here before the bottom of the hour. A reminder, at, uh, after the bottom of the hour, at about 1035, we're going to talk to Secretary of State John Husted, who, of course, is running with Mike DeWine as his running mate for the uh, governor's uh, office uh, in the state of Ohio. Uh, let's go to where? Who's been sitting here the longest? That would be Andy in Middleburg Heights. Andy, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning, sir. And uh, proud to call you our own local nationalist. Yes, sir, uh, and, I, and I'll wear it. Thank you. You wear it proudly, my friend. Like the gentleman that called earlier this morning says he's telling all his friends about your station to listen to it. I, I did all that. I mean, anybody that doesn't listen to your station in the morning is, is losing a lot. My, my, my whole thing here is people, I'm, I'm getting so, I'm 77. I want a monument put up to protect my kids and my grandkids. And my idea of putting a monument up, if everybody who believes in Trump and believes in putting up that wall. You know what? I'm willing to give up a hamburger a week, a $5 burger, and send that to Trump and say, screw the government. Here's the money. Put the wall up. I believe in you. If you believe in me and I want my country safe and I want my grandkids safe, if we, if you can start it, I mean, you got a big voice, start something where it, the, the Republicans can, if, what's five bucks? A pack of cigarettes, a, a burger, a, a bottle of wine? Take that five bucks, send it to the president, and says, screw the government, put that wall up. You got our back. What do you think? Well, you know, a lot of people have said do something like that by way of a crowdfunding, you know, or GoFundMe or something like that in order to say, you know, we'll, we'll gladly donate the money to build the thing. Um, the, the, the problem for me is we shouldn't have to because we've already donated the money to build the thing by way of our taxes. And what I mean by that is we are, and I, and I have all the numbers, I don't have them all to the penny uh, memorized, but when I did my show from, uh, from D.C. in September um, uh, at the uh, uh, Federation for American uh, uh, Immigration Reform event, we had all of the numbers, and we literally spend over $100 billion a year on illegal immigrants in this country in all of the various facets, whether it be uh, you know paying for their education, paying for their health care, paying for their uh, incarceration, uh, paying for, uh, I mean, it's all broken down. It's all itemized. 
And we literally are spending over $100 billion a year on illegal immigration in this country because of our laws, because of our border being so porous. The wall would be $25 billion one time. One time. One quarter of what we're spending annually. So the money's already there. That's the point I'm making. You don't have to give up your burger. We don't have to give up this, that. The money is already there. Let's just take it and deduct it from where we were going to spend anyway on illegal immigrants. Let's get that thing built up so that we have control of our sovereignty and our border again. And that way it would obviously start paying for itself immediately. Immediately. In year number two, it will have paid for itself four times over. Because it's a quarter of what we're already spending on illegal immigration. We don't need to do that is my point. All we have to do uh, is, is, is you know, vote for the right people on Tuesday uh, so that we can get the majority to pass a budget that includes the border wall, which, again, uh, will pay for itself four times over in year number one. Cleveland Heights is our next stop. Peter is on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, go ahead. Yeah, hey, Bob. I just wanted to touch on a story that you, that you were... Uh, that hey, this is young couple. Peter. Hey, yes. hey, hey yes. how you doing, buddy? Good. To, I haven't talked to you in a very long time. How are you? Yes, uh, pretty, uh, pretty darn good. And what I wanted to touch on is a story that you brought up a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to give you an update on it. Uh, you talked about the the young writer at uh, John Carroll, the Carroll News. Yes, and Declan yes, Declan Leary, and Declan Leary. And uh, I just want I just wanted to say really quick that that you should get some of his more recent columns because he certainly is not backing down at all and and one and one of the things i wanted to point out was uh you know the, the professor that you pointed out that uh uh Declan, uh said on the air uh had, yeah they had went to they of, went there they went to cleveland.com and the plain dealer to try to uh to try to humiliate him and to try to uh to try to force well, uh, john carroll into into spiking those columns and such yeah well, I I did well. I did I did want to I did I did, did want to kind of correct that in the, in the sense that it does seem as though um, it does seem as though it wasn't. Uh, first of all, I I, I found out uh, through the, through the grapevine at John Carroll that it was not in any way, shape, or form just the professor. In fact, it was mainly um, it was mainly uh, uh, you know um, people in his. It, in his classes, who who con- who contacted who contacted Cleveland dot com. Also, um, also the professor the professor says in an op ed written in the Carroll News uh, this past week that he that he uh, that he did not re- you know that he did not request anonymity and you know he did not you know he 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 was not in any way try, uh, in any way trying to. Am, you know, ambush Declan, and he. So I, I just, I just wanted, to, I just wanted to give you, um, and maybe you should, uh, and maybe you should look up his op-ed in the Carol News. And, well, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that because I'm going to have Declan back on again just to kind of follow up on that story in, uh, you know, in a while as well. I'm going to invite him in a while as well. But I appreciate you getting in. I, I kind of forgot that you were a college student now, young college man, uh, Peter, uh, and you are at John Carroll. So thanks for weighing in on that and uh, calling it to my attention. We'll look into it a little bit further when I have Declan on the next time around. 1031 now. Uh, Secretary of State John Husted joins us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer.
musical choices are getting better. I will say that. Thank you, DJ Jim Lucio, who seems to be the only person in the history of the world who likes We Built This City on rock and roll. I literally I literally looked it up during the last break, by the way. It's a little behind-the-scenes uh, uh, fun here. I looked it up. Wikipedia, anyway, for what it's worth, cited Rolling Stone Magazine's Reader's Poll, which they've been doing for decades. And uh, We Built This City by Starship was rated the worst song of the 80s by such a wide margin that they said it literally uh, was the... Uh, oh, now I, I lost the page, so I'm going to have to paraphrase it. But it was literally... Jim, how did, it, how did I tell you it said... Uh, it, it was the biggest blow. Yeah, it was biggest blowout victory. Biggest blowout victory in the history of the Rolling Stone Readers Poll. That that uh, we built this city was the worst song. That is number one. And then number two, GQ magazine also rated it to be the worst song ever recorded in human history. And Jim Lucio, who's running my show and picking our tunes, told me off the air. Yes, I'm outing you, Jim. You are a we built this city Starship fan. Uh, he said he actually likes that song. He is the only person I think left alive uh, who, um, uh, in the United States of America, who actually finds that song favorable. <laughs> don't even go. Don't even go there. All right. Uh, but much better when you get to Aha. I can take that from the 80s. Secretary of State John Husted joins us now, as promised. He, of course, is, uh, in addition to that title, he is the lieutenant governor candidate, well, along with... Um, uh, Mike DeWine at the top of the ticket to lead Ohio into the future uh, with uh, a win in the governor's race uh, this Tuesday. Uh, Secretary Houston, good to have you back, sir. How are you? Great to be with you, and I concur on your musical assessment. Thank you. you. Know, Thank you. you. I, I, well, yeah, you know what? I mean, you'd almost have to. You'd almost have to. The odds, anyway. I, I'd have a better shot of winning that uh, $1.6 billion thing the other day than finding somebody else besides my producer who liked uh, that song. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Secretary, before we get into the um, uh, you know discussion of the, the closing days of the race here against Richard Cordray and the Democrats for this uh, governor's race, uh, i got to ask you about the federal judge who ruled that um, uh, Ohio has to restore those names uh, to the voter rolls that were purged for not voting over a six-year period. Uh, the uh, sixth divided Sixth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals panel granted an emergency motion sought by voting rights groups, essentially saying that every vote counts even if they have not voted for a period of time. Now, obviously, this is right in your wheelhouse, uh, because uh, and you said you would not fight the order to avoid an unnecessary source of contention with the election only five days away. But this has to be disappointing because you put a lot of work into uh, trying to clean up the voter rolls and to make sure that we have a fair and orderly election. It, it, it is. Look, the U.S. Supreme Court already ruled in our favor on this, mm-hmm. uh, this and, and then they filed a narrow measure just for this election uh, it, it, on, on a technical note. Uh, a lower court judge agreed with us on this, and then a two-to-one vote of that panel um, restored uh, those um, those uh, names to back to the voter rolls. Um, and because it was so narrow and it only affects this election, uh, it, you know, this is not wor- something that we need to distract uh, from the focus on what the election is supposed to be about, which are the candidates and the issues. So there's no reason to... to uh, take this back to the Supreme Court again at this point in time. We will we will air these issues after the election. There's no reason to confuse this particular election with this conversation. So from that point of view, I just thought it was best that we move on. But uh, look, I've always had the goal of making Ohio a place where it's easy to vote and hard to cheat. 
you have to maintain accurate voter rolls. Uh, over the course of my time in as Secretary of State, we've removed more than 600,000 deceased voters from the voter rolls, 1.7 million duplicate registrations. Uh, we have to make sure that we don't have names illegally on the voter rolls so that no ballots are illegally cast. But by the same token, we also want to make it easy and convenient for people, which it is. You you can register to vote online. You can vote absentee without ever leaving home for essentially a month. So uh, we have fulfilled that goal of making it easy to vote and hard to cheat. And Ohio uh, is one of the best states in the nation under which we conduct elections. How um, widespread would you suggest that, that, that voter fraud is? Because the numbers you just gave to me, are staggering. They're, they're enough of a reason for me to support what you did. You know, I mean, if you've got all of these deceased people who are still eligible to vote, that means people can use their names and go in and cast at least provisional ballots, if nothing else. Same thing with um, uh, people who are duplicate registrations and so on and so forth. That says to me voter fraud, at least the potential for massive voter fraud is there, and we, we actually depend upon our leaders, people like you, to, to stop that sort of thing. I'm I'm the first Secretary of State that did post-election audits and did a review of voter fraud and voter suppression, okay? We, we have found hundreds of cases of attempts by people to vote, vote multiple times or, in some cases, vote on behalf of other people. And we have, when we found those, we've prosecuted. We've also found hundreds of people who were non-citizens who were on the voter rolls, which we've identified and removed them. Uh, and, and in cases where they actually cast a vote, uh, we have moved toward prosecution. Now, understand, most of these are attempts. Most of them, though, are unsuccessful because we catch them before uh, the vote is actually counted. Um, and so, so it's very rare that somebody actually conducts a fraudulent vote, but the potential is out there, and so we have to protect for it because the integrity of our elections is important to people trusting the outcome of those elections. And someone might say, well, you know, these are hundreds of cases. It's not widespread. Well, uh, that's true. But we've also had 199 elections in the last five years that have been decided by one vote or tied, meaning mayoral races, uh, um, school levies, things like that, county commission races, where one vote made the difference. So Mm -hmm. you have to care about the specifics of this. And I've tried to strike that balance. Uh, of making, as I say, easy to vote and hard to cheat. And I believe we've done that, but, uh, we, you know, we, we do everything we can to maintain the, elect- the integrity of the elections. And, and, and I say this, voter, voter fraud exists, it's rare, but don't do it because we're going to catch you, we're going to prosecute you, and, uh, and it's not worth it. We're talking to Iowa Secretary of State John Husted, who, of course, is also running along with Mike DeWine to help lead this uh, country. DeWine for governor and Husted for lieutenant governor. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your opponent. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has been in Ohio this week campaigning for Richard Cordray. Yes, the same Elizabeth Warren who has just recently uh, helped to expose herself and to kind of bust herself as uh, 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 being a fraudulent, you know, fraudulently claiming to be something she isn't for personal gain. Um, and she, of course, is one of the the most radical extremist liberals in the United States Senate. She's here for Richard Cordray. Does that tell voters a little bit about what Richard Cordray is going to be? Yeah, I mean, you know, the company you keep. And um, Elizabeth Warren is, you know, a 
uh, she's you know as liberal as anybody is uh, in government today, uh, and uh, you know it, it's been uh, they cre- they created this uh, consumer finance bureau, which actually in Washington ended up they, they claimed it was to go after the big banks, but the big banks only got bigger and they dumped a bunch of regulation on the small banks, and then a bunch of their community banks went out of business over it. Uh, you know, I just I just think that she represents a a uh, liberal worldview that is inconsistent. It's you know it's maybe consistent with Massachusetts, but it's not with Ohio. And the fact that Richard Cordray has chosen to affiliate his campaign with her, I think, speaks to where his heart truly lies. Um, and uh, you know, I I understand that you're you're a liberal. You're a liberal. Campaign is a liberal in. And uh, get out there and do it. I'm going to campaign as a conservative because that's what I am. And we'll let the voters decide whether they want liberals to run Ohio or conservative. Speaking of um, surrogates for campaigns and endorsers and supporters, Elizabeth Warren is there uh, coming into the state of Ohio for Richard Cordray. And Mr. DeWine and you have uh, Governor John Kasich uh, on your side, uh, recently released an ad uh, in which uh, it's called Crossroads, in which he talks about moving the state forward uh, with you and with uh, uh, Mr. DeWine. And and that's all well and good. but we know that the, the Governor Kasich has his own issues. Um, you know, President Trump won Ohio by, what, eight points? And Governor Kasich uh, was not one of those contributing votes. He has continually t- chopped down the president uh, in, in commentary and in tweets, uh, you know, and on, and on uh, cable television news and so on and so forth. How do you convince Ohio voters, Mr. Husted, Ohio Republicans especially, that, you know what, uh, we're not John Kasich. We appreciate his endorsement, but we're not John Kasich. We do support the president. We do support all of the policies that Americans voted for when the Ohioans rather voted for when they voted overwhelmingly for Mr. Trump back in 2016. Well, Donald Trump's coming in to Cleveland on Monday to campaign for Mike DeWine. And, uh, and, and so the, the good news is, is that there's one thing that John Kasich and Donald Trump agree on, and that's electing Mike DeWine as our next governor. And, uh, you know, it, it takes many voices to make up a majority, and we need, we need everybody to help us win this election. And, and I appreciate the president will be coming in on Monday. I appreciate that John Kasich supports us. But, but frankly, you know, I think what the Kasich message is is that you know in that particular uh, endorsement is that we don't want to go back to the way we were uh what we had eight years ago in ohio was a, a state run by richard cordray and ted strickland and at that point in time the unemployment rate in ohio was ten and a half percent we lost four hundred thousand jobs and the budget was in shambles we had 89 cents left in the state savings account uh the voters sent them packing uh, they put republicans in charge today we have record low unemployment rate, 600,000 new jobs have been created, people are going back to work, and they have they have hope again. Uh, we've restored the economy, we're moving Ohio in the right direction, it's now a state on the rise, and why would we want to go back to the tax and spend policies that Richard Cordray and Ted Strickland employed uh, eight years ago that got us in this mess? So I think that's really what the message is there, but, but going forward... Um, it's nice to have John Kasich support. It's nice to have Donald Trump support. We look forward to the president being here uh, on Monday. I've talked with him many times about this. Uh, are you still? Gray. 
I'm sorry, you your, know, phone, your and, phone cut out on me there. I'm sorry, I thought you were done because your phone cut out. You're actually just in a glitch there. Uh, let, let me follow up uh, on, on that with this. Again, because this is all going to be about turnout, right? I think everybody agrees in this midterm election, the uh, the majority of the United States House of Representatives is going to be based on turnout, the majority of the United States Senate, and all of these state races as well, including this one. It's going to be about whether Republicans or Democrats get out and turn out the vote more um, because the, the, the differences are so stark, the contrasts are so stark between the two parties and the two ideologies maybe now more than ever. So I guess what, what my real question is, is is the DeWine Husted ticket going to run Ohio in more of the Donald Trump mode or in the more, more of the John Kasich mode? Because um, they're very different styles and they're very different messages. And again, given, given the criticism that Governor Kasich has levied at the president, I'm just wondering what we can expect more so that the Republican voters know that they're going to come out and, and vote for something that they want, which is the extraordinary success we have seen from the president in the national economy well you know actually i, I don't I, I can't really answer that question because we're going to run it in the mike dewine john Husted mode which is that's a good answer i'll take that that's okay yeah it, it, it we are we are our values are hard work personal responsibility family faith and freedom and that means lower taxes that means trusting people it means letting them keep more of what they earn to spend and save on their priorities it means you know Taking the power out of Columbus and Washington and returning it to people so that they can uh, they can run their own affairs. We, I just know that uh, that's what Mike Dewine and I believe in. I mean, look, we believe in families, we believe in hard work, we believe in personal responsibility, and we think that and in every decision we make will be geared toward those values. Mr. Husted, the last time I spoke with you, and also the last time I spoke with Mr. DeWine, I had to ask you about this, and I'm going to ask you again now, because the ads continue to come from the Cordray campaign saying that you and that Mike DeWine do not care about people with pre-existing conditions. And all of these lawsuits that Mr. DeWine filed uh, to try to uh, stop Obamacare is because you didn't want to cover with pre-existing conditions. It's kind of amazing you you know, to listen to them. You would think that, that you believe, and that Mike DeWine believes, only Democrats get uh, diseases that are not covered by pre-existing conditions. Republicans are immune to those things. It's obviously a silly notion, uh, but I want to give you a chance to respond to it again because they've poured millions into trying to convince Ohio voters that the DeWine-Husted ticket uh, it, it will, will take away coverage for pre-existing conditions in Ohio. Yeah, well, it's just a big fat lie. Uh, Mike DeWine has voted on seven occasions to cover pre-existing conditions. Uh, Richard Cordray never once. Uh, and in the end, Mike DeWine was against the Obamacare regulations that were driving up the cost of insurance for employers to recover their employees, that was denying people the right to keep and choose their own doctor. And those are the those were the components of Obamacare he was against, and he joined a lot of uh, a lot of people around the country who also didn't want to see those things happen and and tried to stop it. But but when we were endorsed by the doctors of the state of Ohio, they said one of the things we explicitly said is that we support coverage for for preexisting condition because you have insurance that it's there when you need insurance, and that's exactly what we stand for. It's what we believe. Um, but the, the lies and the nonsense uh, keep pouring out of the other side and uh we'll we'll fight every day to set the record straight what's your confidence level right now three days before we go to vote on uh, on tuesday my confidence level is if the republicans of this state want want it more than the democrats then we'll win because look mike dewine and i are just the messengers for for, for what the the people of the state uh tell us they want they want 
They want fiscally conservative, responsible government that trusts people and drives uh, the economy forward. That's what we stand for. And if people want that more, then they want a more a centrally planned liberal form of government, which is what Richard Cordray offers, then, then we'll win. But it, it, every great competition comes down to that moment of who wants it more. We want it. We'll fight. Uh, we'll fight 100% of the time for the people of the state over the next four years. We just need the people who believe in our worldview to fight for us over the next four days. Well, I, I think uh, I think you're going to get exactly that. Uh, for, as for me, my confidence level in your candidacy and Mr. DeWine's candidacy, uh, along with that of so many Republicans and other races in the state and across this country, is very, very high, because I think you're right. I think the American people see, uh, I mean, just the news today, the job news today, 250,000 jobs created in October. Again, we continue with the uh, lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. All of these things, you know, who wants to go back to the ways of democratic economic malaise? And who wants to go back in this state to the Strickland days of hundreds of thousands of job losses? I can't imagine people not being, you know, uh, you know, wanting to turn back, uh, turn back the clock, and, and to go back to those days of failure. It just uh, yeah, it doesn't the, make those sense. job numbers continuing to exceed expectations. It's it's amazing. Why would we want to go back? One of the things that Richard Cordray has promised is. $4 billion in new spending. And over the course of the four years, that would cost every household in the state more than $3,000 in additional taxes. That's not the direction that Ohio needs to go. No. We need to go uh, in the direction of, of you know, trusting people to spend their money uh, the way that they best see fit and, and helping to continue to drive this economic revival in Ohio. That's exactly what we need to keep do, uh, keep doing. Thank you so much, Mr. Husted. We appreciate it. Best of luck on Tuesday, not just for your behalf and Mr. DeWine's behalf, but really for all Ohioans' behalf. We really wish you the best. Amen to that. Let's get out there and make it happen. Thank you so much, sir. That's the Secretary of State of Ohio, Mr. John Husted, of course, uh, running mate with uh, Mike DeWine. And and, and I'm going to say this, too, and I know I'm a little late here in the segment, but just very briefly about the whole case of question. I know there are a lot of Republicans in this state, people like me, who absolutely despise John Kasich for what he has done to the president, the way he embarrassed his party, the way he embarrassed our state in in uh, the uh, uh, convention in Cleveland in the summer of 2016. And the fact that he continues to take terribly unfair shots at our president from the governor's mansion in Columbus. I know a lot of us are, are just despise him for that. Do not let your disgust for that one particular Republican who's in the governor's mansion now stop you from voting for the next Republican to take that office. Do not confuse DeWine and Husted for Kasich. They may share the same party, and Kasich may indeed have cut an ad endorsing them. Do not let that stop you. I wanted to ask that question to Mr. Husted because I think it's, I, I know how a lot of Ohioans feel. They may not be excited about voting for the next Ohio governor if he's endorsed by the last one that we don't like. But do not. I think Mr. Husted answered the question perfectly. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a DeWine Husted uh, style of leadership, not a Kasich style of leadership and not a Trump style of leadership. So please turn out the vote and get out there and vote Republican in that race and all the rest. Back after this. Three. 
Final segment. It's a short one. Let's get a couple of more calls in, though, before we turn it over to Mike Gallagher on AM 1420. The answer will start in Brook Park, where Ron has been sitting patiently for the last 35 minutes. <laughs> Sorry about the delay there, but go ahead, Ron. No problem, Bob. You know, Bob, something that concerns me that nobody else has brought up, and you can go to Hank Johnson for verification of this. What's if that? we keep letting all these illegals into this country, I'm afraid it's going to capsize the United States <laughs> of America. One of my favorite Democrat moments of all time. He was serious when he said he thought Guam, if we put too many people on it, would tip over. Well, this is something we have to consider. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. we got to be careful. <laughs> on a serious note, though, you know, there's 7 billion people in this world. Let's just hypothetically say that 6 out of that 7 billion would love to come to the United States of America. Could you imagine the mess that we would have in this country if we keep allowing everybody that wants to come here into our country. No, we're not going to capsize, but there will come a point where you just can't afford, uh, you know, especially all the people on welfare are not working and food stamps. The workers will not be able to keep up with the people that are not working if we keep allowing this to happen to our country. You're 100% correct, and that's why the president, I loved his line, Ron, and thanks for the call when he said last night at one of his rallies, and he said, look, um, asylum is not a program for those living in poverty. Asylum is you are fleeing political persecution from your own government. It's not just because, hey, we're poor over here. He said very simply, there are billions of people living at the poverty level. The United States cannot possibly absorb them all. And he's exactly right. Donnie and Euclid, I've only got 30 seconds, Donnie, but I'll give them to you. Go ahead. I just want to add, a, uh, add an optimistic note. I still believe in the old adage that Abraham Lincoln said, you can fool some of the people some of the time and all the people some of the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. Have a good weekend, Bob. Thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. Was that Abraham Lincoln or uh, P.T. Barnum? I don't remember, but uh, it's accurate in both ways. Thanks so much for the call. Thanks so much to everybody for joining us today. Great conversation. Get out and vote early. Do it now. Don't wait until Tuesday. And when you do, vote red. We'll see you Monday on the Bob France Authority. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.